Uh, it actually entrenched in Slovakia. Representing the United States, I was asked to lay a wreath for the unknown soldier in the Slovak National Cemetery, for which I was honored to do. Never in my wildest dreams could I have ever imagined doing this as recent as eight years earlier, in which I would have considered the fallen soldier, the men and women at the ceremony, my enemy. This was such an ironic twist. I can still vividly recall a talk that I attended around 1994 at the San Antonio Majestic Theater. General Colin Powell, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, sitting across from his Soviet Union counterpart. General Powell was asked, what are you going to do now that we are no longer enemies? So we have to ask, who are our enemies? I think folks today use the term almost synonymously with the word hate and the people who hate them. Folks belonging to the opposite political party, different rights activists, those who want to hurt us based on who we are or the affiliations we have. As Christians, we stand on the principle that God is over all nations. And we must remain under his guidance and blessing to survive as a free country. President Ronald Reagan said, I believe with all my heart that standing up for America means standing up for the God who has so blessed our land. We need God's help to guide our nation through stormy seas. We can't expect him to protect America in a crisis if we just leave him over on the shelf in our day-to-day -day living. Recently, I read in the New York Times that in over 3,400 years of recorded world history, the world has only been at peace 8% of the time, a total of 286 years, just 8% of the time. You know, God brings peace through Jesus Christ, and that's why in Luke we read, the angels sing of peace on earth at the birth of Christ. That's why we read in John, Jesus saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. We also read how God brings peace through the blood of Christ. In Paul's first letter to the Colossians, reconcile himself in all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself, is our peace. Father John and I enjoy reading early church history. I often find it quite interesting when I come across a passage from recently as uh, Julian the Apostate, who was a Roman emperor around 361. And this is from an article by Mike, Michael Craven in the Christian Conquest of Pagan Rome. Those impious Galileans, Christians, 
They not only feed their own, but ours also, welcoming them with their agape love. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes. While as the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity and by a display of false compassion have established and given effect to their pernicious errors. Such practice is common among them and causes contempt for our gods. Today, almost 1,700 years later, there are still folks who can't comprehend our compassion, willing to forgive and love our enemies. I'm sure many of us have heard they're just some of the people you can't love. But Jesus says that love begins with an act of forgiveness. We understand that you can't love others unless you're willing to forgive them as well. As Christians, we're expected to forgive those who do us wrong and love those who don't love us. When they hate, we're to love. When they strike, we're to turn and pray for them. Later on in Matthew, we read, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Yes, 77. We're to take the high road when they go low. We're to forgive And our forgiveness of our enemies is contingent upon an attitude of love. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. We must take on an attitude to love them by doing them some good. Do that which is good for your enemies. In the time of Christ by law, A Roman soldier could ask anyone to carry his equipment for one mile, but no further. By offering to go the second mile, threatened to get the soldier in trouble because he would be breaking the law. By law, a Roman soldier could hit anyone once. For a person to turn the other cheek and invite another blow, defied the power of the soldier and opened him up to the possibility of being reprimanded. Sometimes there's a pain of being unable to be reconciled with someone because they just refuse to talk to us. Or we may find ourselves struggling to reconcile two people or groups who are estranged from each other. In this case, the pain of listening to the hurt of both sides. People who won't hear others in the church aren't likely to hear us either. Father John and I have no special powers to force conversations. A few years ago, it broke my heart when I was invited by an army vet who was asked to leave the church of another faith when the priest found out he used to be a sniper. 
This vet was dealing with a moral injury. Now, moral injury is a lasting emotional, psychological, social, behavioral, and spiritual impact that results from the involvement of some sort of tragedy where the the moral concern occurs in response to acting or witnessing behaviors that go against an individual's values and moral beliefs. I was in shock that a member of the clergy had no clue on how much this vet was hurting and sought solace in the one place he thought he could begin his healing process. Love your enemies and even your fellow Christians. It's our responsibility to help anyone who is hurting. Here in South Texas, every morning that the sun rises, every time we're blessed by refreshing rains that will make our crops grow, recall our Father's love as we read in Matthew. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's the love that God gave his only begotten son. That's the love that brought us in faith to know and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior from sin and death. When we pray, thy will be done as it is in heaven, as children of our heavenly Father, we pray that through his word our Lord turns evil hearts. The kindness, patience, and mercy we show them aims to bring them to see the kindness and patience and mercy of our Heavenly Father. Most congregations have a mission statement or a vision statement, but I noticed that St. Christopher's also has a welcoming statement that everyone can see on their Facebook page. Deeper, wider, in Christ. For others, join us. Our family is looking forward to meeting your family. And just look at this family. In Luke 6, Jesus says, love your enemies. And he immediately added, do good to them. So we wouldn't miss the point. The world says, don't waste time loving bad people. Jesus says, love them anyway. On this 4th of July, we look back on the many who have died and shed their blood for us who are here today. The blood-red stripes of the flag represents those who have paid the ultimate price of freedom. Freedom always comes with a cost in blood. That is not only true for our country, but in our freedom from sin and death. That is why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He shed his blood so we might be free. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
as we celebrate the 4th of July, I pray that we enjoy the freedoms given us through the blessings of being here in the United States. But even more, I pray that we all enjoy the eternal freedom offered us through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.